and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today on the show it is the annual Choice Prize Preview Podcast and I'm delighted to be joined, as always, the third annual uh, John Barker Special Preview Podcast. How's it going, John? Hello, Owen O'Sullivan. Great to see you again. I'm really looking forward to this. We've been, since we did the last annual Choice Music Prize podcast together this time last year, Every time we meet, we talk about it. We're like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait yeah. for the next one. I always enjoy it because it's just an hour of just talking about the best music that came out of Ireland last year. And I think that this year in particular, it is a really, really strong shortlist. As in, the shortlist came out at the start of January and it was like, I had no complaints. I was glad to see some acts. I was disappointed that some didn't make it on. But overall, I was like, fair play. This is a great shortlist, lads. That seems to be the general consensus is that yeah, there's always one or two albums that you kind of wish had made it on somewhere along the lines. But overall, I don't think you can have too many complaints when you look at the 10 acts that have been nominated, when you look at the 10 albums that have been nominated. If No matter who wins on the night, even though we have our even though we have our favourites, um, no matter who wins, though, you would be quite happy to see any of them winning on the night. They all, they, they all deserve to win. So, and like to be honest, I don't remember any other year where I've said they all deserve to win because there's usually one or two where... I'm like, what? How did they get on that list? Yeah, I th- I've been saying that I thought 2019 was a particularly strong year for Irish albums. So maybe before we call out the shortlist for the 2019 Choice Prize, uh, the nominees, um, I have a list that didn't take much work, to be perfectly honest, that I put together of like an alternative list. It's actually 11 acts long. That's how strong a year it was. So I'll just call them out in the order that I made them up. Uh, Shukra with their debut album, Shukra. Mango and Mathman for Casual Work. Dermot Kennedy without Fear. Hosier for Wasteland Baby. Fixity with No Man Can Tell. Anamika with Idle Mind, which was one of my favourite albums of the year. I absolutely adore that album a lot. Uh, Talos with Far Out Dust, which I know made your top 10 list when you did it uh, with Totally Irish at the end of uh, December. The Cranberries in the end. Murder Capital, When I Have Fears, A Lazarus Soul, The D They Put Between the R and L, and Tandem Felix with Romcom as well. That just shows you how strong a shortlist this is this year. Yeah, definitely. Out of those 11, Talos and, and Tandem Felix, I would have uh, liked to have seen on there somewhere. I will also throw in own Squarehead, whose album High Time I absolutely loved, and When Young. When Young, for some reason, I don't know what it is with some music critics in Ireland, Call, call them snobby if you will I haven't got a clue but for whatever reason when young they just get nothing they get very very little attention so I would have thrown uh, Squarehead and when young in there but like, it just goes to show you there's, there's loads and loads and loads of albums that could have made it easily but there are 10 on the short list uh, this year so let's uh, go through them will I call them out again you call them out uh, Dahi with Loss L-O-S-S and the it means something, but he's not revealing what. So maybe we'll maybe we'll ask him on the night what LOSS means. Uh, Mick Flannery with his sixth album, which is self-titled. Fontaine's DC are up for Doggrel Girl Band with their second album, The Talkies. Jafaris is up for his debut album, Stride. Junior Brother with Pull the Right Rope. Lancome, The Live Long Day. Soak, Grimtown. Maya Sophia with her debut album, Bath Time. And Cirque Richardson with First Prize Bravery. Yeah, really, really strong shortlist as we've said already if, if, if you look at those uh, the acts that are nominated seven of the ten acts that are nominated it's their first nomination which is great to see uh, of the ten albums nominated five are debut albums you've got three female solo acts in there as well which is always good to see and when you look at the 
the background from or background sorry of each of the acts that got nominated you've got an album from each province so you've got albums from artists from Clare, Derry, Kerry, Galway, Cork and Dublin and in terms of the genres you've got folk, indie, what trad, pop, electronic music and whatever music you can categorize girl bands music as being <laughs> I don't think they fit into any category but there's there's other things I like about the the shortlist as as well on and one of them is like there, there is kind of like a similar theme that runs throughout some of the albums. I mean, for example, Soak's album Grimtown was written from a period of of deep depression from her over the last three four years. Girl Band's album and the sound that they have on the talkies is definitely from a similar background to that. Dahi's album, as you referenced there, deals with loss and grief, and I guess you could say that Maya Sophia's album and Lancome's album probably draw on like historical sources that are born out of suppression. And there's also like other links as well. I mean, there's there's this kind of newfound respect for Irishness and this new kind of sense of being very openly proud of of what it means to be Irish. And there's there there are some referencing of of Irish figures or events or even like just singing in a very Irish accent that that has happened over the last few years. And I think you can see this on albums from on the shortlist from Lancome and Junior Brother and. Fontaine's DC and Maya Sophia's album as well in terms of referencing of Irish figures and it's it's become nearly fashionable and it's become kind of a, a cool thing to do and like before we we started doing this podcast we were raving about the Merry Wallopers and we were chatting about Lankman Junior Brother and the Scratch as well and you know so the, it does go back to possibly I don't know when, when what would be a certain point the gloaming maybe I think the gloaming ago? when their first album 2013 I think that that really did signal something else and I don't know if the likes of Lancome are particularly inspired by the gloaming but I think the gloaming opened up a new audience and you know people like me who didn't quite understand trad it wasn't in the family and I didn't quite know the history of it and you're getting the history of it with these acts like Lancome who are bringing tracks like the Wild Rover and we'll we'll get into all this later on you know they're bringing it to a new audience and they, they're giving new meaning to it as well and it's just really really exciting to see um, the Merry Wallopers are probably a good shape for 2020 shortlist aren't oh, they? I hope they release an album this year <laughs> um, so the way that the choice prize works is there's 10 grand uh on offer for the winner. Uh, the winner will be decided by 11 judges under the chairmanship of the returning uh, Jim Carroll, who's going to be replacing Tony Clayton Lee, who had been there for eight or nine years, I think. Um, so I'm not sure. We have both been judges in the past, both under Tony as well. So I just wonder how it's going to change. Will there be any differences? Well, I think... Tony's personality and Jim's personality are very different so I'm pretty sure there will be a change. (laughs) There's going to be some boxing matches. Bring your boxing gloves, judges. Bring back Tony. Uh, so the 11 judges are Claire Beck from Today FM Andrea Cleary from the Nile 9 podcast Molly King from Other Voices Owen Murray from The Thin Air Serena Bellissimo from Spin 103.2 Stevie G from Red FM in Cork Jenny Green from RT2FM Michael Lanigan from The Sunday Business Post Roisin McNichol from BBC Northern Ireland Fiekno Brainon from RT Radio 1 and Tyg Williams from Beat 102.103 Yeah, so really, really good mix of judges I... I, I Pretty sure, bar maybe one or two, like Claire Beck has done it before, but I, I think most of those, it's it's, an, it's a new opportunity for them 
which is good. So a new voice, new opinions, which is what she wants. And so John Barker, Totally Irish, at 98FM, Sunday nights, 9 to 11pm, and the show is available on Spotify the next day as well to listen back. You're a radio DJ, so maybe you can see the shortlist kind of clearer than I can, maybe who the judges are going to rally around. There are seven judges here from the radio stations, Today FM, uh, Spin 103.2, Red FM, 2FM, uh, RT Radio 1 and Beat as well I don't know if there's one thing that's connecting them or something like that some kind of style some kind of genre that will unite them all but that's the only thing that's kind of throwing me from maybe deciding on a clear winner you know saying 100% I think this act is going to win Yeah I don't know if you can really equate the radio presenter with the the station that they work for and then go well that obviously means that they'll go for blah type of album this year because if you if you look at some of the the DJs that are on the panel some of the radio presenters that are on the panel they like I you kind of know them anyway and they don't really know or they don't necessarily promote the same type of music that they might play in their show so I don't know if you can necessarily go by that what I what I would say though is that they the, most of them there that I do know are big into their music and uh, yeah, I'd have a lot of confidence in them hopefully picking the right album which as we've already said there, there is no wrong album so there is in, no in wrong one way, album in one way they have it really difficult because I, I don't think it's going to come down to a clear one album or two albums on the night but I in, in, in another way nobody's going to criticise them afterwards they've, they've probably got like a free hit now this year the first time ever that Choice Music Prize judges have got a free hit nobody's going to come after them, up to them afterwards going what were you thinking of oh Emperor I can't believe oh no sorry that was last year sorry that was last year's judges <laughs> that took everybody by surprise I was delighted I'm to see them win happy, but yeah. I, I think that we were just kind of totally surprised after our Choice Preview podcast I think Kojak was the the album that I had picked to win um, and I'm sure that he'll have other choices but uh, you know they changed the rules last year for Kojak he wouldn't have qualified this year even if they did select Green Diesel because it's only 18 minutes long True. what is an album John? what is an album? That's well what I'll I want tell to you know. an album Villager's album from last year that's an album St. <laughs> Sister's album from last year that's an album you know, the art of pretending we're, we're, to swim. And we're, not here about, we're not here sorry, about 2018 sorry. albums. We're here about 2019 albums. We, and one of the things that I quite liked about um, kind of coming at it, you know, with this preview podcast in mind was the fact I kind of gave myself a break from those albums a little bit, you know, just because the shortlist was announced on uh, January 6th. I had done my favourite albums um, of 2019 and kind of left them in December. And then this kind of refreshed me. And then... I didn't quite go back to many of them for a while and I was wondering which album would really, really draw me in and I'm curious to see what your choice was that kind of brought you back in and which maybe of the 10 albums on the shortlist that uh, you're most drawn to, maybe not your favourite, but maybe the favourite of the past couple of months. Mm, A little bit removed from 2019. Yeah, that is interesting because like six of the 10 albums that are nominated, I had in my top 10 albums of the year, which I would have done on Totally Irish at the end of December. So yeah, like six of the 10 is, is pretty good. And I do like the other four as well. But funnily enough, one of the albums that I didn't have in my top 10 albums of the year, and I'm a huge fan of, is Circa Richardson. And I've gone back to her. Her Definitely her first prize, Bravery for Me, is a real grower. And I've gone back to that album Probably because it got nominated, probably because I heard so many people rave about it. And I, I'm a huge fan of Circa Richardson. But I, it, it, yeah, it's for me, it was definitely an album that, that was a grower. And the more I've listened to it, the more, the more I've gone. And I love her anyway, and I love her music. But the, the more I've got, kind of gone, yeah, okay, I get it now. And I probably didn't 
get it as much or have as much of a feeling towards it uh, as I do now. So yeah, that's one that I've gone back to. I mean, Junior Brothers album, Fontaine, D- Fontaine's DC's album and Soak's album were probably the ones I listened to the most last year. But funnily enough, yeah, you're right. I haven't gone back to them as much as I would have gone back to Circa Richardson. So to answer your question, Circa Richardson. Yeah, Circa Richardson, First Bar's Bravery is actually my first choice as well. Mm. I really liked it when it came out, but it kind of just gets in your head, doesn't it? Maybe let's start off by talking about First Bar's Bravery. Yeah, well, that's a good starting point. So Circa Richardson has kind of been releasing music throughout the 2010s. She had moved to Brooklyn, moved to New York, and was releasing a string of singles. And so her debut album finally arrived after years and years and years of waiting Uh at the in the second half of uh, 2019 I think it actually arrived a little bit too late because this sounds like the summer to me and when it came out I was like I just can't wait until summer 2020 so I can play it but actually what I found is that I'm going back to it and it's just like conjuring these images of the sun it's like you know you could just go outside in the freezing cold but you'll be warmed up by the music because it just really creates this uh, this nice atmosphere it's a very pop album very yes. it's quite a produced album as well I suppose if you want to throw that I don't even know if that's a criticism but um, there are just some really really great songs on here and I think it's just a great showcase of her as a songwriter maybe it's taken her the whole decade to develop this confidence but on songs like High in the Garden I just think she has a song that really really gets to you straight away and it just creates these images that are just so vivid I th- yeah I, I, I agree with you Owen. I agree with you my going back to what I was saying a few moments ago maybe originally why didn't yeah I didn't basically have a, a real grow for it straight away was because I I've been following Circa Richardson since you know those days back in 2013 when she released I Heart NYC and her 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 debut EP as well and I love her her older tracks that are not on this album like Petrol Station Ruin Your Nights 4 A.M. is a, is a brilliant brilliant song Can't We Pretend and when the album came out, obviously none of these tracks are on it, but it there was a, it was a different sound to it. And do you ever get that when sometimes you fall in love with an act who uh, and their particular sound, and then when they release maybe their second, third album, and it's slightly different, you're like, yeah, but it's not. That's not the sound that I, I fell in love with originally. So that that's probably some of the yeah the initial reservations I had when it came to this album. But it is it is very poppy. But it kind of she's she's managed to time it perfectly. I mean, she's she's kind of released it in a year where the likes of and I don't think she's anything like Soccer Mommy but you know you could reference Soccer Mommy you could reference Hazel English Oh Wonder like there are slightly similar other acts that are very very popular at the moment and Circus come in at exactly the right time and yeah I think it's the, the, the thing I love about Circa Richardson there's two things I love her her voice and the second thing is that she just has it has this in, in even going back to 2013 a lot of her songs are about these situations so it's it's nearly like she's in LA she's at this party everybody's <laughs> fucking shit cool and do you remember then we went out to the back garden and somebody got on a skateboard and then we went down to the river and we all went skinny dipping and by by the end of it it's nearly like like a you know like a really good book where you feel like Jesus I know these characters but you listen to her songs and you think you feel like, yeah, I remember that night. What a great night that was. I think that that's kind of one of the criticisms that you can throw at this album as well, though, is that like there's nothing particularly Irish about it. Like That was kind of one of the things that struck me on listening to it around the first time. It was like, this could have been made anywhere. Um... And like what you know, you can you can argue all you want about what makes an Irish album, but ultimately this is a really really strong album, and that's the thing that come that strikes you first and foremost. Um, whether or not she wins, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think these songs are irresistible. 
uh, and that's kind of the strongest thing that you can say about an album um, and this is her debut album uh, and there's so much good things to come and she's doing really really well she's currently as we're talking she's on a UK tour and she's playing some sold out dates and I just don't know how how you just can't be kind of uh, just fall in love with what she's singing and what she's singing about as well so yeah I've, I found myself coming back to this album again and again again and again and again just because there are so many great choruses in there really really gets it into you um another act who has been around for a long time and has released music a lot throughout the decade is Dohi. So this is his second album. It's his first as an independent act. He released his debut album on a, a major label um, and he kind of changed tack. I think he released Mary Keane's introduction under his own uh brand or whatever you want to call it under his own name in 2015 and that really did signal a change for him and now he's come out with this album LOSS Loss and it's the culmination of a couple of weeks spent in the French countryside after he broke up with his girlfriend and he kind of went there to create music really isolate himself and just kind of I don't know get in touch with himself again and he's come out with this album which features a whole host of artists who I I don't know do you know do you actually know did he asked them to write the lyrics um yeah I, as far as i as far as i know he came back from that trip to france with a collection of of songs but a collection of songs is in he had the music and then he decided to get in touch with certain lyricists certain vocalists and ask them i think the instructions were like the theme is going to be grief and and loss and i want you to write a song i want you to write lyrics using this particular music you can sing over it and some of the uh, artists that he's uh, worked that he's worked with on this album, he's released music with uh, a lot before. Um, the likes of Sinead White is probably the most um, obvious one, but there are other voices as well, like Paul Noonan, Alva Reddy, who you mentioned earlier, Tandem Felix, Orla, Orla Gartland is in there mm. as well, and uh, the C as well. Uh, say the say. Yeah, um, I, I used to mispronounce her name. The, as well. the say. Um, so. I mean, straight away, uh, that Paul Noonan track, I think that that was the first one that we might have heard um, from from this album. It it opens up the album as well. And Paul Noonan is someone who I think a lot of Irish people will be very familiar with as Bell X1. And yet I've never quite heard him uh, sound like this. He does sound quite torn, doesn't he? And I really like his solo stuff that he's done. And I really like this artistic direction that Dohi kind of has signalled with him. Yeah, and he, his vocals are, are quite haunting, aren't they? And it, yeah, it, it really is a great kind of introduction because that single came out with the announcement that there was going to be more of these songs, but all dealing with, with grief and loss. And then, like, I, I think last year was very much the year of the collaboration from lots of different artists. We saw loads of Irish acts collaborating with each other, but Dahi went even a step further and managed to do a whole album of collaborations. And the thing is, in in one way, it's quite risky because and I remember asking him this like would any was there any song where he asked somebody to guess vocal on the song and then afterwards go oh shit that really wasn't because <laughs> it's risky you know what what if you get a couple of bum ones and you're like Christ I can't put this on the album so it was risky but what, what he did really well obviously was and you've you've just gone through nearly all of them there he he got really great collaborators to work with him and you, you like there's there's another couple of people I, I don't think you mentioned definitely Ryan Vale is one so Ryan I mean I could I couldn't think of two better people to collaborate together than Dahi and Ryan Vale they're absolutely perfect so he he picked the the right people to collaborate with and it just works I mean I I think it's a it's a wonderful wonderful album it's not necessarily the type of album particularly on the shortlist that you're going to go back to over and over and over again but 
there are lots of lots of beautiful beautiful moments on it and it also like if you're a fan of the likes of Tandem Felix Paul Noonan um, Sinead White we've, we've heard singing with him before but even like Alva Reddy you get to see them in a, in a different kind of context and you know it's not and I'm sure it was nice for them as well to be to have an opportunity to do something slightly different than their own solo material yeah like that Tandem Felix track it's called Lavender and I loved it the second that I heard it um, in mid 2018 I think it uh, came out because it kind of sounds a little bit like Radiohead and it was it yes. felt like it was a bit of a challenge for both uh, Dahi and uh, Tandem Felix David Tapley so I really really liked uh, that track I like the way that Dahi sees the arc as well of the album he kind of talks about it you know kind of uh, going through the relationship you know kind of from start and then the kind of the almost the lull in the middle and then the kind of the, the getting over it at the end um, you know the likes of Two Grey Ticks it's talking about WhatsApp when a message is left unread yes. and uh, yeah you can you can just see that there's a lot of thought put into it I guess I don't want to be this is a second straight one where I'm the first one to point out a criticism of it I feel like it lacks a real standout moment I feel like it's very kind of level pegging just in even in terms of like BPM a little bit as mm. well you know you really want something to shake it up and it just feels a little bit too controlled of an album for me, even though I really, really enjoy it. You know, I think it's a really, really n- nice listen despite the subject matter. But I think I think I would have liked something that really kind of like punches you in the gut. You know, the flip side of that is, isn't it nice that Dahi probably stopped himself from doing that? You know, he probably thought, I don't care. I, like, I'm not looking to get nominated for the Choice Music Prize, ironically. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy to go with my original idea, which was let's have a collection of music that deals with this particular theme of grief and of loss and let's see where, where it takes us. And this is going to be a, a work of art for me. And if anybody likes it, well, that's a bonus. But guess what? Loads of people liked it. You're going to be the good cop and I'm going to be the bad cop I on this podcast. So. I don't like. I don't, don't like this. So, dude. I don't like this. I'm... <laughs> We've got eight more to go. <laughs> uh, Long way. So that was uh, Circa's debut album, Dahi's second album. Uh, let's go to someone who released his sixth album, uh, Mick Flannery with his self-titled album, Mick <laughs> Flannery. Uh, what do you think about this album? Because I think that this was probably the biggest surprise. I didn't see many people predicting it. No, I, w- I was very surprised. And this is probably one of two albums on the shortlist where when I compare it to the other eight albums, it's probably the, the, the weaker of the of the albums on the on the shortlist. I was, yeah, I was surprised. It, it, like, it's a good album. But for, for me, it's, it's kind of like Mick Flannery doing what Mick Flannery does. And I know that it, there's a slight difference between this album and his previous ones in some ways, but... As someone who's not a huge fan of McFlannery, I don't, I don't. There's not enough of a, of a, of a difference, and you know, th- there are moments I think probably taken in in isolation, but there are moments throughout the album which are, you know, they're really beautiful. And the the thing about McFlannery is he creates a really nice warmth in his music. You listen to his songs and you find comfort. You know, that's what he does. That's 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 what what he's so good at doing, particularly in in songs such as "Come Find Me." How I Miss You and Star to Star. So there's something comforting in listening to Mick Flannery and his distinctive voice and his reassuring words based on positivity. And, and there's always this type of message about, look, everything's going to be all right. I'll be there for you. You will find a way, which is fine. But, you know, we are here discussing a collection of songs from start to finish. Personally, I don't think there's enough variety in Mick's album for me to get too excited about. I will say one more thing, though, before you jump in here. Good cop. Bad cop. No, you're, not good, you're a good cop for this one. Wasteland, if, which is the first song on the album, is a wonderful, wonderful single. 
I think he's got some really good songs in here and it's I don't, I, I don't know um, this maybe you've got the numbers in front of you there John but this made it to number one in the Irish charts for whatever that means I don't know if there's another number one album uh, on the shortlist um, but if if the charts still count for something it's pretty uh, nice to see that even six albums in that yeah. um, he's still able to do it and I think that yeah there was talk about this kind of being a change of departure for him but it's kind of nice that uh, you know it's still kind of classic Mick and I guess that kind of works against him as well like what's new about it on your sixth album I'll I like the idea that it's um, a middle-aged album sort of thing. He's moved on in terms of the topics. He's talking about stuff that isn't being discussed by some of the other much younger acts. Like, I'd like to see the average age of some of the um, bands on the shortlist because there's a lot of them in their early 20s. Mick has the life experience behind him and he's been doing it for years and years and years and he's challenged himself a lot in the past couple of years as well. Sorry sorry to jump in. I, apart from Lancome, I, I think you're probably right. Most of them are probably mid-twenties or, or even younger. Do you know, sorry, just something struck me about last year's Choice Music Prize. I think Conor O'Brien on the night came out maybe second last or even last to perform and I suddenly realised, and Conor's not old, and I was like, holy shit, everybody else was so much younger when you think of like Kojak, when you think of even Wyvern Lingo, but it just everybody else on the night was so young and then Conor came out. He was like the, the old wise man <laughs> of Irish music and I think you're right. Like it is really nice. I hadn't even figured out about Mixed Age, but it is really nice to see somebody in his mid-30s getting, getting nominated. Yeah, and people who listen to the Point of Everything podcast regularly might be sick of me saying this, but I think it's just really, really impressive to see someone still making music, you know, their sixth album, because so often acts kind of just get distracted. You look at even other kid, I don't think they even released their second album, or did they release no. their second album? No, no. They um, they and, and then they broke up, you know? It was yeah. kind of like, we, we saw what the music industry is and we're kind of done with it now. If you have the, the list of acts that got nominated... How many of them do you reckon are full-time making music, if any? Would Mick Flannery six albums in? Do you reckon he's got... Well, well one of the things I was saying was that Mick, um, you know, he made a play out of his uh, debut album last year that played in the Everyman Theatre in Cork as part of uh, Cork Midsummer, And, you know, he's trying different things. I think he's into um, uh, making music with other people as well, co-songwriting. Mm. Uh, we see that even with um, a new track that he's put out with Susan O'Neill yes. and he was on The Late Late Show uh, playing it. Other people who are actually making music full-time, Fontaine's DC. Yeah, they're probably so busy that they, they don't have time for a job. But I'm sure when they're not touring, they probably have to have to have a part-time job. Dahi, um, actually, I think Dahi's probably doing it full-time because he, he does lots of It's, it's a tough gig. It's a, it is, it's a it tough thing tough. to do. And it just, just goes because... to show even like the top, the top 10 acts of this year in terms of their albums you know, they still can't make a living out of it. So there's very few, though, as you know, that do make a living out of it. Yeah, and like, you know, acts do what they can to keep making music. And, you know, if they're in various cover acts to try and, um, you know, cover the cost of making their own music, like fair play to them. If you can still make a living out of just music in 2020, like you're doing something right and fair play to you. And like, don't listen to any sort of criticism that we have. (laughs) No, don't. Um, but back back to Mick Flannery's uh, sixth album. Um, I said that it's kind of a middle aged album on uh, how I miss you. He's kind of lamenting lost love, and on Star to Star, he's talking about dipping fingers into powdered MDMA. Not that we condone that at all, at all, at all. Yeah. But there there is that kind of like reminiscing that's going on there, and like this reminiscing is what the 
uh, younger acts are kind of singing about that they're going through right now. I think that there's a real ease to his songwriting as well. It's a very nice listen. And I think, as you kind of said, he's very confident in his own skin and what he's um, doing himself. And he has another track on there called Light of Fire, which is kind of almost a critique of what the rock and roll experience or the rock and roll cliche is. So I, I guess, yeah, I kind of put on the McFlannery album as almost like... I want to kind of forget about it a little bit sort of thing and you know you can be like oh it's over I kind of forgot that I had put it on so maybe again it's kind of that thing that he needs to grab you a little bit more but um, I think I think it's a really strong album and I'm delighted to see another Cork act on there <laughs> yeah I don't think I, for me it's not a strong album at all it's a bit same not a strong I, I, album uh, it's not like there's no point coming on here and and going, oh yeah, it's a great album. I don't think it's a great album. I think it's a good album. I think it's a very Mick Flannery album. It it does it lacks variety at times. It gets a bit samey for me. I mean, I think you have to be a fan of his. If you're a fan of his, if you like his, if you like his voice, if if you need a little bit of comfort in your life, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe that's my problem. I just I don't need comfort at the moment. This know. is the thing: people who like Mick Flannery love Mick Flannery. He yeah. sold out Cork Opera House uh, last weekend, as we're talking, um, as well at the Right Here Right Now Festival in Cork. Cork people will follow Mick Flannery to the ends of he, the earth. He's hugely popular. I remember seeing him. I'd say twelve years ago in Wheelands. The the audience was ninety percent female, and all Mick had to do was say good evening, and they were like. <laughs> I was like, this is like the Beatles. I know, I know what it felt like to see the Beatles for the first time. Well, I do think that that track that he's released with Susan O'Neill is actually probably better than everything that's on this album. So I yeah. don't know what that says about the album itself. But maybe that's kind of where the judges come in. A lot of radio uh, DJs and Mick gets a lot of play on radio. He's quite radio friendly, I yeah. suppose. So maybe that's the influence that we're seeing. That's a good uh, point, actually, because um, there's not that many radio friendly acts on this particular shortlist. When you when you look at the likes of Maya Sophia, Lancome, Girl Band, come off of Radio <laughs> Friendly, Junior Brother. I mean, there's not that many. Dahi's album, we've already said, probably isn't the most uh, accessible album at all. So, yeah. You know, Mick Mick might have a chance. You're 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 twisting my arm here a little bit. I think he you might Corkonian. have. A, he might have a chance. Uh, another act, so that's radio friendly, is Soak. She released her second album, Grim Town. It followed uh, her Choice Prize winning debut album, and that kind of forced a break on her because she released that in her mid-teens, and she kind of took a year off after the years and years of touring that she did, and her star just seemed on the rise and on the rise, and then she was just like. I need to just take a step back here. I need to just live my own life because she's still only like 21 or 22 or something uh, like incredibly young like that. And this album, Grimtown, is, I, I just really, really like it. It's one of those things that you can kind of uh, take for granted with Soak. But I think that there's a really nice theme running through it as well. The title comes from, you know, what her and her friends used to call Northern Ireland, the town of Derry where she's from. Yeah. And uh, from the very start, uh, I think uh, I think it's her grandfather who does the train conductor introduction. No, uh, I didn't know that. I, th- I think it's her grandfather, but I can't quite remember right off the top of my head. We're working without some notes here, John. We're, you know, just so the listeners understand, if I get something wrong, I'm really sorry. But one of the lines he says is... Uh, if you're, you know, it's he's playing the role of the train conductor, and uh, it's if you're if you're standing, please continue to stand. Oh yeah, 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 that's uh, him. Yeah, yeah, and it's just one of those uh, like nice introductions, yeah. and then you just get into a, another really, really strong pop album. I guess that you can kind of classify uh, this album and Circa Richardson's together, just because. Uh, 
they sound really, really strong and there's some really, really good uh, pop hits in here as well that you could imagine getting played on the radio. But for some reason, it seems like this didn't connect as much as I thought it would. And I don't know why. Maybe it's the length. I think it's one of the longer albums on the shortlist. It's about, it's over 50 minutes anyway. I think it's like 53 or 56 minutes. And it's a lot of music to get through as well. As in like, I'm looking through the track list now and I'm like, I'm actually not quite sure what some of these tracks sound like just looking at the name. Mm. But then you have songs like... uh, uh, like that song that comes on after the introduction get set go kid it's just it just kind of crashes in and it sounds great everybody loves you really worms its way in i mean that's just such a it kind of makes you woozy you know it makes you it makes you weaker you're at the knees um crying your heart out and valentine schmalentine really kind of indicate the theme of this album which is kind of about kind of like Dahi, i guess you know kind of first love or love and maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be Everybody Loves You and what's the other one? Knock Me Off My Feet. They are two of the best songs easily that were released last year. And there's something really unique about So, but I, I have to slightly disagree with you about it. I, I think it was really well received. I seem to remember being really well received when it came out. It, you know, because there was a gap of, I think, four years between the debut album and this one, you're, you're kind of waiting in anticipation, but also a little bit of apprehension. You're like, I don't know which way Soak's going to go, but this album sounds very, very different to her her debut album. And I think one of the reasons why it was so well, well received was, I, I like when she released it, she tweeted, this album means so much to me. And the reason why it means so much to her on a personal level was because, as I said at the very start of this podcast, she had just gone through like this horrible depression and she wrote the album in a way to, I guess, understand herself and her feelings more. And... There was a selfish reason for writing these songs. And, you know, she said that that's she writes songs so she can feel better. But it was also because if anybody else is going through something similar, that they might find something comforting in, in this particular album because she, she always tries to reach a level of optimism and hope in her songs. And I think that's why the album resonates with so many people. I mean, it's not necessarily that you, you need to have gone through some of the horrible stuff that she's gone through to inter- through in terms of depression but it's just that she she's so personal it's easily like one of the most personal albums on the, on the shortlist you really like you listen to the album and you really get uh, an insight into into who she is and like she doesn't hold back whatsoever and i think people really really like that they get an insight into her personality and her life as well and i think that if if soak hadn't won in 2015 i would say she would be definitely one of the favorites for the award this year as in top two top three favorites it's just a pity that uh, well no it's not a pity that she won five years ago and it shouldn't really have any bearing on this year I just think it, it will do probably because you have the likes of Sirka Richardson in there and maybe Maya Sophia as well but I mean Soak's not going to get too disappointed about that she's obviously delighted that she got nominated but she's doing really well I mean think like Soak is signed to Rough Trade Records she recently supported the likes of the Lumineers and Tegan and Sarah Life is good at the moment for Soap. But that like that that album last year, as I think I said earlier on, Grimtown was one of my favourite of last year. Yeah, um, and it's literally a journey as well, I suppose, you know, both through life and on this uh, train that kind of like sets the tone for the album. It's interesting that you mentioned Rough Trade. I actually almost didn't spot that Soak had released this album on Rough Trade. Uh, there are two other albums on the shortlist uh, that are on that label as well, Girl yeah. Band and Lancome. Like isn't, it. It, isn't it interesting yeah. that... Uh, they're so supportive mm. of Irish music, you know, that there's a real, you know, people do really, really want to hear uh, these acts. Let's talk about Girl Band then, the talkies. One of the things with Girl Band is that everybody was just so happy 
to see them back making music because for a long time people weren't quite sure about what the status of uh, the band was just because um, of Dara's um, well uh, you know we can they cancelled a few dates they cancelled a few tours and you know they kind of went off and did other other things as well Daniel Fox has become an absolutely unbelievable producer uh, he's one of the best in the country um, Paddy Hanna's Frankly I Mutate he produced that that should have been nominated for the choice uh, last year as well I think um, but he's on production duty with the band uh, for this second album and what a return to form it was because I think uh, you see that with uh, Holding Hands with Jamie Girl Band's first album which is also nominated for the Choice Prize you saw a lot of copycat copycat acts and you can even say that Fontaine's DC on this list wouldn't exist without that girl band album they probably almost agree with you because it did spawn a lot of uh, similar sounding acts and I wonder with this album people are going to try and replicate some of these sounds as well I don't know how you're going to replicate some of these sounds good luck if you're going to do that it sounds unbelievable and it also sounds challenging as well what they did they went to uh, Ballantaggart House on the outskirts of Dublin and they said that they wanted to kind of create the sound of the house through this music I don't know are they living in a horror movie or something (laughs) like that but that's almost what it sounds like from the very first track Prolix which is just you know a kind of a blaze of noise and Dara is just kind of uh, it sounds like he's having a panic, panic attack and I don't know you know, if if that's actually genuine or is it just him replicating it? But it's really, uh, I don't know, It's it really makes you take notice of what's happening. And there are so many moments in this album that make you take notice, aren't there? Yeah, and there's so many so many highlights on the album, the Talkies own. I, I wrote down actually here just in, in preparation. I was, I was trying to come up with a line that would maybe capture what the Talkies is. And I wrote down, girl band in the Talkies, it's, it's a world that reads like a manic Jack Kerouac novel and feels like a drug-fueled bumper car ride. It's exciting, but it's scary as shit all at once. And that's that's what it is. Like, to listen to this, it's 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 not an easy listen, but it's so exhilarating once you get into it. And the gas thing is that this album, The Talkies, is way more accessible than their debut album. Like, Do you think? Can you imagine if, if you got somebody to listen to The Talkies for the first time and they, they didn't know anything about Girl Band and you said, come here, this is way more accessible than their first album. They would look at you like you had two heads. It's I don't know. There's no real choruses on this album, though, are there? Then it, well, there never really is, though, is there? Uh, I think... Do the I, girl band do choruses? <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I do think that uh, Dara Kiley's um, lyrics and his writing style are something that might appeal to a lot of people. He, uh, in in the kind of the press up to the uh, release of the album, he was saying that there are no um, eyes or me's on the album, that that was something that he wanted to kind of challenge himself with. And I, I, I've said that he's kind of an underrated vocalist just because I think he, he kind of does something a little bit different. You, men- you mentioned Jack Carroll there you could easily uh, mention um, William Burroughs who wrote The Naked Lunch with the cut, kind of cut and paste style that William Obviously. Burroughs yeah. did and Kylie does it as well on this there's references to uh, Ricky Lake Zinedine Zidane uh, Burton Ernie as well and he also has a track called uh, ooh, let's see if I can pronounce it here Abophobia which he says is the fear of palindromes and so there's there's lyrics in there like Canemaniac Salt and Atlas Strap on No Parts and Bird Rib I'm taking all these by the way from um, the Pitchfork review of uh, Girl Bands of Talkies which I think really really captures what it's about but it just goes to show you that uh, they wanted to try something a little bit different and they have that throughout this album both musically as well 
well, just because, I mean, uh, uh, the guitar playing um, is just, I mean, it's it's almost not even there. It just sounds like noise a lot of the time. And it sounds like such powerful, like striking you in the face noise, doesn't it? Yeah, but that that's the great thing about it. It's it's these four very, very different sounds. And I'm, I'm including Dara's vocals in this that just complement each other so well when you put them all together. It's, it's funny, that's the second time you've said that, though, tonight about they just kind of went in and created the sound that they wanted to do. And most of the albums on the on the shortlist, including Dahi's, which we mentioned earlier on, but if you look at Maya Sophia's, if you look, think of Lancome's album, uh, Soak's album, in a way, they just went and did what they wanted to do. You know, without kind of pandering towards what people will think when they when they listen to the album. But Girl Band, are, they are a phenomenal, phenomenal band. But when you go and see them live, that's really, really when it makes... A lot of sense. I mean, the album is a, is a, is a tough listen. The talk is is a tough listen. It's a hard one to keep going back to over and over again. But when you when you see them live, it's it's just this incredible energy watching them on stage. I mean, you go in and the whole gig is over in, in a few minutes. It's it, they just suck you in completely. Why do you say it's such a tough listen? Just because of like what you know that they've been through and like the no the, the sound that they create. It's not. I mean, I did say it's more accessible than their debut album, but it's still a tough listen. Yeah, there, there's groove on there as well, and there's like such interesting things going on. I think the second half of the album is actually stronger than the first, even though um, people will be most familiar with the likes of Going Norway and Shoulder Blades and Salmon and Knowledge, which I think were the singles. And oh yeah, one of the best things about the album is the hi hats. Like it's very rare that I'm going to praise hi hats on albums, <laughs> just because it's something that I never noticed. But I think the drums on this are great. But I think the uh, last last couple of tracks Caveat Laggard and Prefab Castle are just unbelievable yeah. I mean good luck trying to like cover those songs if you want to be a girl band cover act which uh, would oh, be interesting there's something is there are there any girl band cover bands <laughs> I guess people might say Fontaine's DC but I know come on, <laughs> um, come on. any criticism about the girl band album I mean no I think you know People said that they were happy that they're back. But once that kind of fades away and you're left with this album, is it something that you would say you're going to love this album to be oh, I, Well, I think... Well, okay. To a certain I, I kind of listener. I think, it's I, a be- yeah, I think it's a better album than their debut album. I think I think it's a wonderful album. No, I don't I don't have any criticisms towards it whatsoever. Are people... Yeah, I see what you mean. Are, are people just happy with the fact that they're back and that's enough for them? I don't think so, no. I think take it individually as just a, a collection of of work from from a really really great band and no I I would be happy come on what what criticisms could you have towards it I, I, I love girl band I the, went the, I, I literally followed them around Europe for well, a week I uh, asked so. the wrong person that I know you're a fan <laughs> uh, but I, I, I didn't mean you but what criticisms could one have the only criticism is it sounds I like noise yeah I don't like that that sound that's the only criticism you could have Where, where's the hook you know it's it's not radio friendly like Maya Sophia or Soak or sorry, not Maya Sophia. Jesus, um, not Maya Richardson. Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to Maya Sophia's oh. album. Um, it's called Bath Time. It's released on Trapped Animal Records, and uh, this is it almost inadvertently. I think she didn't realize until after the fact that she was telling her own story through the lives of these other women uh, like Edie Sedgwick and uh, the wife of Michael Cleary who's not actually named uh, on it that actually features the vocals of Junior Brother who we'll get to in a moment so uh, there's a theme running through this album and it's very much maybe the left of field choice on this shortlist because of Mick Flannery and Soak and uh, Circa Richardson are radio friendly and if uh, girl band are a difficult listen I guess this Maya Sophia album is 
kind of left of centre, which I think is great to see that people are listening to kind of maybe more difficult albums. And I don't quite know what you call it. It's kind of folk in that, you know, sometimes it's just her and her uh, guitar. Um, it's kind of a few different things. I talked to her for the Point of Everything podcast. I really, yeah. really enjoyed listening to her just because I think she's such a smart person. And I think that lyrically, uh, we're going to come back to bath time an awful lot and just kind of be bowled over by the amount of uh, work that's gone into the actual words um, and the stories that are told here. But um, what, what about you? Are you less enamoured with the album, John? Well, I, I guess... It- Starting off with, with the good points about it, I think you're right when you say lyrically it's it's really, really strong. And I like the way that not all of the songs, but most of the songs are about women, as you've mentioned already, that have had some injustices placed on them and or maybe their stories have been forgotten over time. And you, you referenced the wife of Michael Cleary. It's, I think, one of the strong points about the album is that you're bringing these stories, these forgotten stories probably, to a new audience. And I and I think that's great. And I, I interviewed her on Totally Irish Maya Sophia a few weeks ago and she's lovely yeah and I found it really interesting great in- interviewee as well and I, I mentioned to her on the show that I only really kind of got this because when when this album came out I mean there was a there was a lot of really really high praise from certain music journalists towards it and that always you know makes me a little bit skeptical because it, it feels like something different though well it, it took me until I went out I listened to the album properly from start to finish I went out for a walk and I listened to it on headphones and being on my own, listening to it, it yeah, I, 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 I got what people were t- were talking about. However, I, I don't think when you're comparing it, this is one of my with, with Mick Flannery's album. This is my probably the two of the weaker albums on the shortlist. I was really surprised that it, that it made the shortlist. I think as an album from start to finish, when when you take it as not just the context, not just the stories that she's writing about, not just the lyrics, but overall for me, it, it, it's it's very very samey. I actually find this a harder listen to then girl band's album I, I i could easily go back to the talkies a lot more times than to uh bad time and I, again i'm i'm not saying i hated the album i liked the album and i can understand why people like it so much but i don't know if it's as well i do know that it's not as good as the other albums on the shortlist so i was really surprised that it, it did make the shortlist in saying that i'm i'm, I'm really glad in in a lot of other ways that it did make the shortlist. I just don't think it wouldn't have been my choice. Um, I I listen to the album mostly when I'm finished work. I work evenings, so I come home at about eleven o'clock, and uh, I got the record, and I just found myself going back to it again and again and again. I don't know—is it just one of those uh, albums that makes a little bit more sense the later on in the night that it is? But I've also heard a couple of radio shows, not on uh, daytime radio, not on the likes of Today FM, um, but on ninety-eight some sh- FM. <laughs> no, no comment. Um, but uh, maybe some of the shows on the likes of uh, DDR or uh, Kino Cuevon's uh, excellent Antev Tool and the likes of Hail Mary and The Glitter just make a lot more sense kind of in that environment maybe when you put it up against these really shimmering shiny pop tracks it does kind of stand out maybe more for its kind of uh, uh, its lack of sheen than anything else but I think taken on its own merit I think this is a really really strong album and lyrically I, I do come back to it again and again and again and it's one that I actually would read the lyric sheet for as well yeah, no, totally. I, I agree with you about the lyrics. Do you think it has a good chance of winning? Um, I could see certain people going for it, but I think uh, if if the judging works 
uh, the way that it has in the past, I think that it might not um, stand a chance of winning. But I'm delighted that she's getting, you know, that she's getting the exposure of it. Not that that's what the Choice Prize is about, but I guess it is in a way. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Have we done good cop, bad cop for each album so far? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well no the girl band one I think we both agreed on <laughs> um, will we move on to Jafaris's album which is his debut album it's called Stride he really he uh, made it with Diffusion Lab which is responsible for the sound of the likes of uh, Soli you're working in collaboration not maybe responsible for the sound um, so this is the rap album on the short list and it's great to see that there is a rap album in there I guess after Kojak uh, in 2019 I thought that there might be another couple of rap acts on the list um, Mango and Mathman I guess would have been one that would have got on but I don't think you could even call that a rap album I think it's more of a dance or uh, a dance album than anything else but um, even in the list that I called out uh, earlier on at the start of the show of the alternative ones I don't think there's any real rap acts on it and I, do, and I think that that's more down to the fact that there is this kind of um, pivot to singles and EPs and standalone videos and stuff like that rather than a fully fledged album this is one of the shorter albums on the, shor- on the short list as well it's 30 minutes and there's a couple of skits in there as well uh, I think it stands on its own uh, two feet I think there are some really really uh, great highlights on Stride and also Jafaris is going to be a superstar isn't yeah. he? I oh, saw yeah. him at Other Voices um, in Dingle in uh, the I think it was the end of November uh, playing in the church and he came out in this uh, desi- Irish designer uh, big red puffer coat and he just looks like a star Super he shed star. it after the first song obviously because it was really really hot in that church even though it was uh, middle of winter down in uh, Dingle but uh, he just has something about him that really really shines through and on it, Stride as it's well it's not just the music that's the thing I mean you see him live with his band he's got an amazing band as well but you realise that you're witnessing like a high standard of music and performance I mean the guy can dance like some of the best dancers I guess in the <laughs> world he, yeah. he's, he's amazing but it, it, it's an all around thing and there's, there's an energy w- when you see him performing live and I am delighted delighted that he got nominated I, there was a, I was actually a bit fearful that he wouldn't because I don't know but maybe it's just from my looking at it but he's done very little gigging in 2019 it's nearly like as soon as the album was released and whatever promo he did for it he kind of stopped then and um, you didn't really see him much in the public eye definitely in the last few months in the run up to the awards so I, there was a part of me going Jesus he really hasn't I mean I don't I don't know if he did festivals or anything like that I don't he certainly didn't I mean you would have been expecting Jafaris in October September, October, November like so many Irish acts had their own headline gigs whether it's in the Olympia or Vicker Street or somewhere like that and I would have thought Jafaris would have done that so he, he, he didn't do, do, do that so I was thinking okay maybe he won't get nominated but I'm really glad that he that he has the album, I, I really like the album. It's a, it's a pure, I mean, I know you said rap there, but it's, it's a pure pop album as well. It's just, it's, it's, there's so many catchy songs such as Stride and Brothers Keeper and Found My Feet. I'm just looking through the, the sorry, the songs on the album Time, Temple. I mean, the, the first two thirds of the album are gold. I mean, it, it's, a, it's such a strong two thirds. And then the, the temple kind of slows on a little bit. This this three kind of short songs, kind of about two thirds of the way through, which is fine. But the, the last three tracks, while good in their own right, are a quite similar to each other, and they lack, I think, the 
the standards or the quality that the first two thirds of the album had and for me that's what lets it down a little bit yeah it hits really hard when it hits um there's some you you mentioned all of the all of the really really strong songs there and there's a theme running through the album as well that you can kind of hear through those little skits as well those almost like uh you know talking about space skits uh he says that um there's a real religious element running through it and that it, uh he told Dean Van Nguyen in Totally Dublin that uh, he the title of the album came while he was on YouTube and searching through uh, videos of religious sermons and he just kind of related to this and there is a religious theme running through this album it's not something that particularly is enamoring to me but it's not something that's really going to turn the listener off as well you know you can easily ignore it if um, if it's not for you so uh, I think it's a really really strong album um, and I mean, this is him right at the start of his career. He's so young and he can kind of do whatever he wants. Um, I'm not quite sure what he's going to do next. Um, I also don't think this album will win either. Maybe just, it might, it might just suffer. Maybe, maybe it will stand out as the only rap act, but uh, I I think there'll be something holding it back. Yeah, I, I think going back to my, my point a few minutes ago, I think he's probably gone a bit too much under the radar since it's released to maybe have an impact overall. But again, yeah, debut album, he's an absolute superstar. And I think there's so much love for Jafaris, which maybe you don't get with every hip-hop act. There's some hip-hop acts and you'll, you'll hear people giving out about them, but I've never heard anybody complain about Jafaris. He's such a nice guy. He's so, he is a nice guy. <laughs> um, Where do we think, go next? I think we have three albums left. Do we really? Uh, that flew by. <laughs> Junior Brother pulled the right rope. Uh, I think it was our... Was it our both of our favourite albums of last year that we put on at the time that we were doing our lists back in November, December? That and, and Fontaine's DC's album, Doggerel, were my two favourite albums. But yeah, Junior Brother has always been up there, yeah. Uh, I love this album. Um, I've loved Junior Brother for a couple of years now. Hungover at Mass is probably the introduction that everybody yeah. will know him by. And then Pull the Right Rope is such a confident listen. And that's one of the things that he says about it as well, that, you know, he really, really believed in himself and there was nobody else kind of telling him to do this or do that. He very much believed in the sound that he was going for. And the sound that he's going for is weird. Like, uh, you're either going to really, really like Junior Brother, I think, or you're instantly going to be turned off by his voice because it's this really high, highly strung uh, vocal and he really just absolutely hammers on the acoustic guitar and usually he's just accompanied by a tambourine that's uh, taped to the floor. He, he's got a couple of other instruments um, on him as well, including a tin whistle that is literally just blown so loudly at parts on this album that, it, you know, it almost wants you... It's almost like he's challenging you to take out your earphones or to... You you know, stop paying attention to what's going on. But uh, this album is so good. I think Coping is one of the best opening tracks on across all of the uh, 10 albums that are on this shortlist. And it's something that's very relatable as well to people. But you also have tracks like um, Purple Circle, which is a nine minute song that really, really challenges the listener. And it goes, you know, it starts out, I guess, as kind of folk pop and then it veers completely into prog. It's so weird. And it's right at the heart of this album. And uh, there are no traditional songs on this album. It's all original compositions, which I think just shows a real confidence that's running through the 25-year-old Ronan Keeley who's from Kerry. Yeah, and I, I think as well that I, I, I love this album. What I what I love about it as well, and he referenced Tongue Over at Mass there, which is probably everybody's introduction to him going back a few years ago. But there's there's always this beautiful very very kind of witty sense of humor through a lot of the a lot of the songs but there's all it's always kind of wrapped around a, a point that he's trying to make 
which which I love. So he he has that kind of balance there. But you you said the the sound when you see Junior Brother playing live, you realize holy shit. And then when you listen to the album, you realize holy shit. It this mostly is just one man. I mean, he had backing vocals. There was sparse, I think, instrumentation here and there, but mostly it's it's just him, his vocals, his guitar, and the tambourine that you mentioned, which he taps his foot off. And the way he the way he gets absolutely he squeezes everything out of those few instruments is is incredible i mean he carries it, it along with by by slowing down the tempo of the the rhythm of his strumming the tapping of his his tambourine his vocals he he can he can get to this beautiful tender moment and then all of a sudden punch you in the stomach and, and go in a different direction he really does use every single aspect of his instrumentation and his voice and it's a wonderful thing to see live, but I, I think it works as well on, on the album. And, you know, he kind of has taken his inspiration from growing up in Kerry and the, the environment around him, but he, he kind of makes it quite universal. And I know you, you said that already, you kind of get sucked into this world of like rural adventures. And it's, it's quite, <laughs> it's like tribal folk. He's, li- I guess. he's literally falling into a ditch and coping. So, <laughs> yeah, so that'll true. tell you what it's, true. what it's like. But yeah, as you say, like this kind of beautiful moments on the album, like it's sheer poetry on the likes of Full of Wine and The Back of Her. You know, it's just these really, really lovely moments. Yeah, kind quite of like, tender. Yeah, um, the kind of, yeah, it does offer something different. And yet, I come back to the judges, I come back to the fact there's seven radio DJs on there and I come to the conclusion that I can't see Junior Brother uh, in the final reckoning for the choice prize I don't know I don't know I'd love Hon- to see I'd love to see him uh, on it honestly honestly after last year I'm not going to try and, like if a Emperor can win with <laughs> and I I love O Emperor but if O Emperor can win with that album anybody like me and you could release an album tomorrow and we'd be in with a chance <laughs> wow strong words we're down to uh, what I think is going to be the final reckoning in that judging room we're down to Lancome with their third album The Live Long Day and we're down to Dogwell by Fontaine's DC Am I right in saying that? We've covered everybody else? We've covered, yeah. I'm We've just covered the list here. We are down to the, the last two. One of them, I'm going to have quite a bit to talk about. The other, not so much. <laughs> um, Where are you going next? I kind of think, what is there left to say about Fontaine's DC? Yeah. Uh, Dogrill is their debut album. And the thing is, is that everybody has an opinion on Fontaine's DC. They're not like, you know, oh, I kind of like you know, some of the acts on the list. You know, I don't have really strong feelings about them one way or the other. A lot of people hate Fontaine's DC and a lot of people think they're the greatest band ever. I kind of fall into the latter act. I think they're so exciting. Um, I can understand maybe some of the criticism that's been thrown at Fontaine's, but I I just think the people are being so harsh on them where they would not be harsh if they came from somewhere else. But I guess that's the thing. They've painted themselves as a Dublin act. And so Dublin people are, you know, they're like, they, you don't represent us. Is that the thing that people don't like about Fontaine's DC? Because musically, like, what would people hold against them? There's a rock swagger that's running through this that, like, you know, you can say it's kind of post-Arctic Monkeys-esque. You can say it's post-girl band. You can say it's very much driven by this kind of idols-created uh, rock environment that's quite manly as well, or quite heavily male uh, males in the room too. I, d- I mean, I don't know what the breakdown of a Fontaine's DC audience is going to be, but I'm guessing it's probably going to skew 70-30 male. Um, they are providing a voice for 
kind of young people. I think that if I was in my early 20s, I would say that this band means everything to me. As it stands, like 10 years older than that, I can easily say that they're one of the most exciting bands I've ever seen come out of Ireland. Yeah, I, I would, and exciting is, is probably the right word to use, the right adjective to use, because I, when I listen to the album, and obviously Liberty Bell came out a few years ago, and the following singles that came out after that, we, we're all familiar. But when you listen to the album, though, from start to finish, it, it's, it is exciting. That was the thing. Those first few listens, when I, when I listened to the album, I re- was brought back to what it felt like when I was listening to this type of music as a teenager. And it is exciting. You have that feeling of, yeah, it, like the album makes you, it makes you smile, it makes you swear, it makes you swagger. And the, one of the non-single tracks on the album has ended up being my favourite one and I think it is for a lot of people and that's that's television screens I mean oh, yeah, I, hadn't even, well. I hadn't even had a sniff of this song before I listened to it in the album and when it came out I was like whoa what an amazing song I absolutely loved it I love uh, do you think that there's kind of a phone nostalgia that they're creating like I'm trying to understand why people have such strong feelings against this band like when you say I, I don't know why I don't know and I I uh, I don't really care why people don't like them. I really don't. I mean... I'm done arguing. No, I am. I've spent months, you know, arguing with people about it. And yeah, I think it's probably less the music and more what they stand for and whatever other bullshit fucking complaints people have about them. I don't, like, I don't care. Um, I, I I, absolutely love the album and I and I love who who they are. I love I love everything about Boys in the Betterland. In fact, that's a song that I loved when it came out, but the more and more listen to it over the months and months the more it's kind of grown on me to the point where uh, I will let you into a little bit of insight um, I got married last August just outside of this beautiful venue just outside of, of Lisbon and for for the first dance we had chosen ages before the wedding Nick Mulvey's song Fever to the Form and the night before we were flying out to go to Lisbon so say three days before the wedding myself and my now wife came back absolutely shit-faced and we had to we had to be at the airport at like four in the morning and we decided well let's just keep going and so another bottle of wine was opened but we we put on we put on dog roll and when boys in the betterland came on the two of us kind of just jumped up and we were like pure excited because of what was about to happen in in our lives this huge moment but as soon as it finished both of us were like we have to incorporate this into the wedding. So we, when Nick Mulvey's song "Fever to Form" kind of hit the chorus, it kind of faded out, and then "Boys in the Betterland" came on. So we we had "Boys in the Betterland" as like the second part of our of our first dance, and the place went bananas as you, as you would expect after twelve hours of of hard drinking. But I mean, that's that's what that's kind of what it means to me on a personal level. But I love the the drums and and bass intro to Big. I love the the snarl of of two real and I oh and I, I like I love the 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 attitude the like this is a this is a band that you can be- believe in and I went to see them in Vicker Street I've, I've seen them a good few times over the last few years but you can see that belief in people people are like yeah this is a band that I can really cling on to and the door couple of criticisms the last the last song oh yeah yeah I, Dublin City Sky Dublin City Sky I don't oh, it's, th- I don't it's dirge it's I awful. don't think it works and I it made more it's sense just live way off kilter. It makes more sense live. I, I, it's the only weak point, I think, on Doggerel. It, it goes for a Pogue yeah. sound and it's just like, I think it falls flat in its face. Well, um, the other criticism is the is got nothing to do with the album, the Vicar Street gig. I went to the first night before Christmas and yeah, it was. I felt it was a little bit flat. Uh, just the go. band, the sound, the venue, the The whole thing. Crowd? Yeah, oh, the whole thing. It's disappointing. Yeah, it was disappointing. That, I mean, they've probably been the busiest band on the shortlist. Uh, yeah. It seems like they didn't stop at all in 2019. 
just you know, people who listen to the podcast, again, they're probably sick of me uh, giving my opinion <laughs> on Fontaine's DC. I think that there's uh, an irony that's running through the album as well. Like, big and too real are not supposed to be taken at face value. Uh, I think uh, Green Jatton's vocals and his lyrics really elevate everything because I guess you can throw this in the kind of the indie pop landfill if you want but there's something about the way that he sings uh, his confidence that really really comes through uh, you mentioned television screens earlier it's about climate change I don't know if that's anything that people have picked up on is it really it's about climate change you know like he, he's talking about um, watching the uh, ice caps melt and we're all gathered around the television screens so um, you know it's not it's not like he's singing about like all the lads going drinking or you know with uh uh, Joyce books falling out of their pocket that's that's the image that they're presenting um, but I think the music speaks for itself and I think that that double hit of Checklist Reckless into Liberty Bell into into Boys in the Betterland I don't think there's any better 10-12 minute stretch on uh, on any album here however if we're finished talking about Fontaine's DC anything else you want to add um, the 10 minutes that opens up Lancome's third album The Live Long Day is uh I, I just think it's unbelievable. Uh, I'd, I'd, pop, I'd put that far and away as my number one favourite song across uh, these however many songs feature on the 10 albums. I don't... I think every Irish person is going to be familiar with the Wild Rover, but the version that they're probably familiar with is loads and loads of pints thrown into them and their families at some sort of family get-together and all arms around each other as they're dancing and swinging away at like 12 o'clock at night. Uh, This version is 10 minutes long and it's kind of the anti that idea it's about the kind of the effect that drink uh, has taken on not just a person but on a society as well it's really turning its eye at Irish society and it's really really eerie and you have uh, Rady Pete's vocals I don't know about you John but I think Rady Pete is the best vocalist full stop in the country I think nobody compares to her I think there's just something that just gets into your heart that gets into your soul with Rady Pete when you hear her singing and I think that that's just the culmination of what they've been doing for the past few years they've been touring a lot and they've been opening up a lot of uh, people outside of Ireland um, their eyes to what Irish trad music is in 2019 if you had told me that uh, NPR would be big supporters of Lancome I would have raised my eyes my eyebrows I wouldn't have raised my eyes but um, I I just think they're great I think that they talk about other big issues as well such as on the second track The Young People um, it's about suicide you know it's right there in the first song and Dara says that he wrote that he kind of almost had a dream about this and he kind of woke up inspired or kind of horrified by this uh, idea that was around him and he just had to kind of try and put it into uh, song and then you have uh, references to classic trad as well there are reels in some of those tracks that people who actually know their trad music will be uh, familiar with and be able to point out but for someone like me it just stands as something really really interesting that they're doing it's a really eerie album as well the likes of uh, The Pride of Petrova one of the uh, latter tracks on the album is just so oh it's it's not trad It's it's more like metal or something like that. There's just a real dark edge to this album. And I think that that's down to the producer. They got uh, Spud Murphy, who has a studio. He's responsible for the likes of uh, Katie Kim's albums in the past. And this is the first time that they got him into the studio recording them because 
if you've seen Lancome live, you know what a phenomenal sound that they uh, create. And they've, I think they've finally uh, been able to replicate that on uh, the album. Um, the likes of Bear Creek as well. Uh, Katie Cruel is a really stunning track too. And then Hunting the Wren is a, a songwriting response to uh, Lisa O'Neill. She, she had kind of challenged um, the guys to write a song uh, about that idea. So, I mean, there's loads there to discover. And every time that I listen to this album, I'm just like, I'm blown away by something new every single time. John, anything you want to say? I I thought that I'm saving the... I think that the choice prize is going to come down to these two albums so I kind of saved them for, for last but your thoughts on Lancome John oh, I really wish we had talked about this before the podcast I'm not a huge fan of this album and I trust me I have tried I have tried only because I'm thinking Christ am I missing out on something here I, I'm not saying that I don't like it but I feel quite apathetic towards it and my biggest emotions I guess that arise from it on are surprise and envy surprise that there's at the at the huge love that every well, a lot of people seem to have towards it and pure envy because I don't get it and I want to get it you know I've really tried I know like yeah look I listened to this album and musically yeah it's it's at a huge huge standard when it comes to that style of music and I love the fact that as you've said there this style of music has been brought to a, a huge new audience and I've I've got lots of mates that have seen them live and they're like you have to see them live and I'm sure I haven't seen them live, but I'm sure if I do see them live, it'll probably make a lot more sense. I mean, they they speak about this incredible wall of, of sand. It's so, so powerful. But in terms of the album, I don't want to be finishing off like this, but I, I, I'm I not a huge fan of it. I, I, I swear to God I've tried. I just don't, it's not that I don't get it. I, it just doesn't resonate with me at all. There's There's nothing really on the album that does... And I'm so sorry to say that because I can see the disappointment in your face. I'm d- sorry. There, there's just moments on it that literally send shivers down my spine and there's new things to discover every time. I think it's such a layered, dexterous album and it's just such an impressive, like, long listen as well. But like the likes of The Wild Rover, the 10-minute long song, do you kind of, like, get bored by yes. it as you're listening to it? I, I just can't understand that. And I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure that there are other people who are kind of a little bit... I don't understand. Well, I, I, if there are, please get in touch with me because I've yet to meet any. I seem to be one of the few people that has this feeling. I, it's, it seems quite, at times, a bit too... Christ, everything I say here can be easily criticised, but a bit too slow-paced, a bit too samey. No, I, I, lose, I lose interest quite quickly. Wow. I can't, I, can't, I can't imagine. I can't please, imagine it. Please edit this bit out because <laughs> I know that's going to be held against me. <laughs> held against me by people who despise Fontaine's DC. Um, so those are the 10 uh, <laughs> albums that we've discussed there and... Uh, I think that we've been quite fair. We've had it. We've had our pros, our cons of some of them, and I think that that's what I like doing. I like the fact that you know we can say that we really love this album, but we can also see kind of why people might not like it yeah. or or something along those lines. So, John, this is the moment that people are probably skipping to. Who do you think is going to win the choice prize? Maybe who do you think are going to be the last three acts that are going to be discussed? And who do you think is going to come out uh, with um, the celebrations at the end of the night? Just to give yeah listeners a heads up in case they don't know already, judges will go in next Thursday. They'll have a few drinks. They'll have a bite to eat. And then at around about six o'clock, they'll sit around. But the, the 10 albums won't be discussed individually. So what Jim Carroll will ask each of them to do is can we narrow down the 10 albums to maybe three, maybe four? Uh, albums and then okay let's discuss these three or four albums and I think 
and I haven't got a clue because last year a emperor won. Did I mention that already? <laughs> so God knows what's going to happen. But I I think that albums from Circa Richardson, Lancome, and Girlband might feature in those three albums that they're going to discuss. And from those three, who knows? <laughs> Wait, you're not going to pick one? No, I'm not. What? I this is why people are listening. Is it really? Oh, then fuck it. Um, I okay. I would love if Girlband got it. I, if Circa Richardson won it, I'd be fucking delighted. I think they'll go for Langham. Uh, I think you're probably right. I think, and I would love to see that, just because I think they've created uh, a, a really, really great album. I'm surprised to hear you not say Fontaine's DC in your final three. You think the judges will be too yeah. hard against it? Yeah, I think the judges will go, oh, it's too obvious. <laughs> but sometimes, Let's give it to Langham, man, you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. Well... Did I tell you, oh, Emperor won it last year? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think judges quite often judges these smudges. Things, but I, I think they kind of look at each other and go, "Well, we can't go with the obvious one." Hmm. I think Langham will probably win it as well, but I think Fontaine's DC will be in the reckoning. I think it has to be. Uh, I was reading an interview with uh, Soak where she says that uh, I think that there'll be uproar if Fontaine's DC don't win it. So I think the bands themselves who are nominated all have a kind of an idea that, oh, I think this act will win. I think that act will win. I really want that band the, to win. Oh, oh, there's a few loose cannons in those judges, if you go through, let's go back to the start of this podcast. Without naming any there's, names. There's a few loose cannons who are not going to go in there loose and go, cannons. you know what I mean? Let's go Fontaine's DC. There's not. There's loose cannons in there and they are ready. They are ready and armed. Then they're going to be, they're going to be pushing the likes of Maya Sophia, uh, Lancome. They're probably going to be going for girl band. They're not, they're not going to be, I mean, can you imagine a majority of those judges sitting around going, oh yeah, like Dog Girl, oh amazing, oh yeah, let's go I can't Dog imagine Girl. that. I can't. Because I Look think it's names. one of the best albums of the year. Yeah, I don't think so. Ah, John. You've I'd say, it's, and, and as well, like I'd say those judges would be scared to go to the after party if Fontaine's DC won. <laughs> yeah. I, think you're, I think you've been talking to too many anti-Fontaine's DC people in your life. I need to get out of Dublin. We need a support group. Need we need, we need a Fontaine's Dublin. DC gig. Um, the Choice Prize takes place on Thursday night in Vicar Street. I think eight of the nominated acts are going to be playing. Uh, it's always a great night. If there's still tickets available, I highly recommend it just because, you know, you get to see eight of the best acts in the country uh, playing a couple of songs from their brilliant albums and uh, I love it I think it's such a great night and you know go for the gossip go for the go for the uh, the bitchiness as well because that's some of the best part of the whole thing as well uh, but hopefully uh, it'll be a great night it always is and I think Lancome are going to win you think Lancome are going to win as well I think the judges will go for Lancome <laughs> <laughs> I think the judges note, will go go, go for Lancome. I can I just say I love the fact that we didn't mention the Song of the Year award. And like let's not. I couldn't even tell you he's nominated. No. I think Mango is nominated for it. I think that'll win. Um his track with Lisa Hannigan. Will will win the Song of the Year. I think so, yeah. Not a chance. <laughs> not I'd love oh, it. You've been beaten down, you're jaded, John. No, I You're jaded, not, the not choice prize has jaded you. I can't <laughs> we're gonna come back in twenty twenty one and you're gonna be like, It's all a scam, it's all a ruse. <laughs> As the years go by I'll become more and more negative. But the the, the song of the, the choice music prize song of the year is up there with the the recent hot press readers poll. <laughs> Absolute shite. <laughs> we better stop before you say anything that's going to get you into trouble. Uh, thanks a lot for listening and uh, let's see if we're right on Thursday night. Thanks, Owen. Yeah, thanks a million, John, for doing this as always. Mm-hmm.